When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. Well, it's been uh, three, maybe four weeks at that. It's been a while, let's just say that, since the end of the men's basketball season for our Auburn Tigers, and it is time to finally sit down and discuss our season review for the 2019, well, really 2018 to 2019 season for Auburn men's basketball. We're going to break down everything from the preseason, non-conference play, conference play, SEC championship, March Madness, and a little bit about what's happened postseason as well since our last discussion. To do all that, I have brought in my friend, my co-host, the owner-operator of the Auburn Uniform Database, our content manager, any other titles I can throw his way, Mr. Clint Richardson. Welcome back, buddy. War Eagle. I give you that type of introduction, and all you give me is a war eagle. What you want? I want like can, throw some titles my way, man. Come on, Kyle. <laughs> that was the most <laughs> underwhelming thing I've ever heard in my life. But oh well, I guess you know that's that's the life of an editor on a podcast network. It's never about you, I guess. Um, all right, let's move right into this and talk about the season, Clint. Um, you know, you and I have been doing this show um, for five years, five seasons under Bruce Pearl. Now, um, two thousand, what was it, two thousand thirteen, fourteen, something like that, when Bruce, two thousand fourteen, when Bruce Pearl got here, and was it two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen? I'm blanking. It's been a while. 2014-15 uh, season was Bruce's 2014-15 season. It's been that long, man. Um, since he got here, did you think at that point that you and I would sitting, A, be sitting here five years later together talking about Auburn basketball, but would we be sitting here talking about a Final Four run five years later? I don't know if I actually, did I know you five years ago? Well, you remember how this started is, you know, we had our initial podcast that tried to do everything in one show, which was completely insane, but <laughs> uh, we all also started breaking away into the more broken down shows so they could be a little bit more focused, and you and I were the first ones to do that, so yeah, I mean, we started with Bruce Pearl, so whenever he started is when this whole thing got started. Yeah, so I think you're right. Yeah, I, I remember when the news started coming out that Bruce Pearl was the candidate for the new Auburn job. And to be honest, I didn't really care for it. I wasn't upset. I would have been perfectly What's happy. What's wrong with, with you? I would have been perfectly happy like I am, but I felt like Auburn could do better. I thought there was somebody else out there that Auburn could grab. And I, I'm glad to have been proven wrong. I... Thoroughly enjoyed the second Bruce stepped on campus or stepped on the tarmac at the airport right. and and had a mosh pit and unfortunately I was stuck in class that one day and <laughs> you know he he didn't have to to do much but he won me over with his his birthday press conference a, in the arena and you know I I spoke to him a couple of times actually had to 
had got the opportunity to sit in his office and meet with him early on in his tenure and just just fell in love with him and and loved him as a coach and those first couple of years were rough and you know I going from that previous coach that he shall he who shall not never be mentioned to you can't even get it out because you don't want to say it (laughs) not exactly you know I going from what five and 20 kind of SEC record that last year to to what we are now I I just never saw that I I expected to see a turnaround I expected to be competitive I expected to make the NCAA tournament I never once expected it to be this quick to hang banners to cut down nets and for this program to even sniff a final four berth and I think if you asked coach Pearl at that time too he would have agreed with you and and if if you really got a second to sit down with him and you know off the record say look when you walked into this position and saw and nothing against the players that were there at the time you know we're we're glad everyone that is part of our history was here as an Auburn Tiger but the facts are the facts the caliber at least in terms of coaching with the talent wasn't there and so when you see what he's inheriting you honestly saw him at those press conferences say guys we've got a long road ahead of us this isn't going to be a quick turnaround and he was right but lo and behold five years later we're breaking down a final four run team for the very first time for our Auburn Tigers and it's an incredible thing that you and I have gotten to witness doing this podcast I you know when I started this with you I was like you know we'll we'll have some good times here we might see Bruce maybe last five years or something like that but lo and behold he's getting contract renegotiations breaking records reversing the curse so to speak of Auburn basketball and it's been a beautiful sight to watch his entire tenure but especially this season and let's not waste any more time and talk about some of this and to do that we've got to talk about leading into the season perceptions thoughts and what we were kind of expecting here. So, Clint, I guess that's the first question I want to pose to you. Try to, you know, take yourself away from a Final Four berth, an SEC championship, conference, non-conference play. Let's go back to before the season started. What was Clint thinking about this basketball team before it got all started? That's a good question. I don't remember what I said back then. Um, (laughs) You know, realistically, it was a sweet 16 berth or bust Auburn should have been competing for a title this season and should have had a really strong postseason run. Auburn should be playing more than just one game in the SEC tournament. And, you know, that's all based off of the previous season. Auburn had such a good run last year and it ended because of some fluke injuries and just, you know, a very short bench and this team basically exhausting themselves and running themselves out of the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Auburn had a really tough road this season. They've got the target on their back. Nobody's going to be surprised by Auburn or anybody on this team. You're not catching anybody all, you know, on surprise. And it's, it's going to be a much harder fight to get back to where you were. I mean, it, the hardest thing to do is keep winning and Auburn really saw that this season and naturally next year is going to be harder too. So, you know, thankfully everybody seemed to stay healthy for the most part this year. No brutal injuries like what happened to Anthony until the the bitter end. Um, Mm. Auburn actually had depth most of the season and it, it all just 
seemed to be going in Auburn's direction. Just some games didn't fall the right way at times, and it really put Auburn behind the eight ball early on in the conference season. So yeah, when you look back at this preseason, I remember us discussing this and trying to, you know, I know how much you hate predictions. That's, you know, long history here on this show. Me trying to pull teeth from you to get predictions out of you. But as we looked at non-conference play, you and I both looked at outside of the Maui Invitational. We pretty much thought we were going to get out of that unscathed, maybe a loss, which ended up being true. Outside of the Maui Invitational, we only lost to NC State in non-conference play. Uh, then we looked at SEC play, and that is where our worries really were. We knew how talented this team was. We knew who we were returning. We were only missing Mustafa Heron for the whole season because he wasn't on the team anymore. We were going to get Dangel and Austin Wiley back at some point. We knew the talent that was on this team, but we still looked at how good the SEC was. And that was proven by the end of the year how good this was. And I think you and I were kind of really worried about what was going to happen come conference time in terms of wins, in terms of perception. And I think most of that, our predictions proved to be true. At least our fears uh, proved to be true. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Auburn had a really good non-conference schedule, beat a top 25 team in Washington, had a really tough series of games in Maui as expected, beat some good teams and and lost to a not so great team in NC State as it turned out to be. And that's exactly what you want your non-conference schedule to be. You want it to be tough. You want to have a couple of games in there that you can get some experience for some younger guys and get into a rhythm and that's exactly how Bruce Pearl and Auburn scheduled this season. You know, there's there's not much better than having a team like UNF that you can beat by almost 50 points just the, the game before you start conference play. And unfortunately, I think having almost two weeks off between those two games could have very well hurt Auburn. And it was really hard to get going, especially with the front-loadedness of this um, SEC schedule that the Tigers had. And top to bottom in almost every sport this season, the SEC has been incredible. I mean, you look at baseball right now, and uh, we discuss it almost every week on Hitchcock Hecklers, that top to bottom, this is the best the SEC has been in years. You've got the entire SEC West that, up until just recently was separated from one to five or one to six by a game and a half. And that's kind of what you saw in basketball. It's, you know, there, there were a couple of bad teams. Georgia was bad. Uh, Missouri wasn't great. Alabama was, you know, borderline. Florida fell off badly. Um, Vanderbilt didn't even win a conference game. They were that bad, but the top half of, the league was so good and it was so hard to win those games so much more than it has been previously and with a better team on the court. Right. And so, as I said, our fears were really justified and uh, there was some pretty scary moments there for us as Auburn fans as we got further and further in season. But in non-conference play, though, Auburn goes 11-2 and with the only losses, as we've already mentioned, to NC State, but to Duke in the Maui Invitational. And I think if you were going to just, you know, take the the one area that everybody was excited about around non-conference play for Auburn, 
it was the Maui Invitational. You know, we were excited when we got the invite to be in this like a year before this and looked at the talent that was going to be there. You had Duke, of course. You had Xavier was going to be there. And, you know, we've had some great games with Xavier over the over the years as well. Arizona was going to be there. You, we looked at these names, and Auburn was ready chomping at the bit to win. And and I think, in, again, we're trying to look at this from when we were talking about this months ago. I think you and I came out of the Maui Invitational fairly impressed with what we were seeing from an Auburn Tigers team that had just inserted Austin Wiley after the suspension, after his season beginning injury. We're waiting for Danielle still to get there and find a way to be a part of the roster. This was a team that was still kind of in motion in terms of how it was going to function. And I think you and I felt pretty good for the most part from Maui. Yeah, absolutely. This was such a marquee event for Auburn to be in. And at the time that we accepted the invitation, it Auburn was the lesser program and the lesser basketball name in this tournament. And just the way that things ended up going the last year prior, it, it turned around. Auburn was one of the better teams and one of the, you know, they were right up there with the team names in this program. And of course, Duke is going to be the, the headliner. Arizona is consistently a top program and this year they weren't. And Xavier is a really good program this year. They kind of fell off a little bit, but you know, We've talked about it multiple times on this show, and it's not so much the fact at this point, just where the program is, but when you're trying to build something and get somewhere, you know, just beating a top name is as good as anything. You know, beating Oklahoma and UConn back to back, what, two years ago now, and UConn right. the year before, or last year, those are huge wins even though they were playing garbage at the time. And I think Auburn can really take pride in the fact that you just beat Arizona and you beat Xavier in Hawaii, where you traditionally don't play very well. And, you know, yeah, Arizona didn't play well this season, but the the common fan, the common person out there who just, you know, picks up the newspaper for a dated example and sees that Auburn beat Xavier, it doesn't matter what the record is. That's a big win in perception and perspective for these kind of people. And I think Auburn Auburn believed that too. And it wasn't a false belief. You know, you just beat top programs and you have to take pride in that, especially the way that you played Duke. And, you know, yeah. a couple of calls go a couple of different ways and it's not a six-point game, it's a two-point game in your favor. Like, I, yeah, that was the first loss of the year, and it was the first loss until mid-December, one of only two non-conference losses. Everybody felt that was the best loss that Auburn ever could have had. You played the number one team at the time with the number one player in the conference in the country it, to the best game that they probably got most of the season. The funny thing for me about this uh, after the Duke loss was how – let, let's just you know cut to the chase here. Auburn fans do not handle losing well, and I, I say that as myself too, that I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, I'm pointing – whenever you point fingers, there's a couple more pointing back at you. That's, that's for me. 
the fan base was more excited about a loss to Duke, not because of obviously losing, but because of the way they lost, the fight they showed, how Duke did what Duke does. They got out to a lead and kind of maintained it. And then Auburn just clawed back and surprised the nation. And you had a lot of the analysts, a lot of the prognosticators looking at Auburn. You know, they put them up, you know, in the top 10. And we're like, you know, based on last year and who they returned, we're going to put them there. But then they looked at that Duke game and they're like, Holy crap, this team's for real. And I think it's even surprised even the most avid Auburn fans the way they played Duke. So it was a great uh, turnout for Auburn and how it, you know, they got two wins out of it. They took Duke basically to the wire. It was not an easy win for them. So I think that was a huge success for Auburn. You know, they had a couple of other uh, good games as well. The UAB game, which it, you and I always push for the in-state games and Bruce Pearl's been a huge advocate of that year in and year out. And he continues in, in some capacity to push for that in-state tournament. So you and I love to talk about that one. We also saw the return of Dan Jalen. And at this point, Clint, we're trying to work in two players that didn't start the season with Auburn, didn't play all last year. And that's all, you know, if, if we've heard someone say Jarrett Stidham is from Texas and is engaged, we've also heard, did you know that they sat out for the whole year? They haven't played for over a year on this team. I mean, I, I got tired of hearing that storyline on every broadcast. No joke. And, you know, thankfully those first, what, nine games went fairly quickly and, and Auburn didn't seem to need Dan Gell. And the way that he played the rest of the regular season proved that, you know, he, he just didn't seem ready. He, he seemed out of shape and out of game shape, especially. Uh, Austin seemed to have some bright spots and some low spots and, and you know, some more attrition issues coming in injured every now and then. But, um, you know, just having those two guys back, especially after missing time because of stupid things and some injuries <laughs> and, you know, it's it's great to have them back and it's great for Auburn to have some depth and some guys that you can rely on. I mean, Dan Gell has been through so much just in his short time at Auburn and this team knows him. They've got the chemistry with him and yeah, he didn't make a huge impact, especially early on, but to know that you've got one extra guy on the bench that you can lean on is, is gotta be a huge uh, benefit. Yeah. And, and definitely D'Angelo struggled to find his place in the team, but boy, did he when it counted at the very end of the season. Austin, to some degree as well, although he was dealing with those injuries, that you, as you mentioned. And so, you know, you kind of give him a little bit of a pass, but he also found moments to shine as well when we really needed to him and kind of changed the way teams were playing against Auburn as soon as he went into the lineup. So great additions to have, great weapons to have. You just had to find a way to use them. And I, and I think this kind of leads us in to the other game from non-conference I want to talk about, which leads us into conference play as well. The important thing about this game is NC State, you get Auburn's first, I would call, legitimate loss because everybody was expecting us to lose to Duke. You know, it was just a perception. But when NC State, you go there, you, you know you're going to have a great game. I think most people were expecting Auburn to win, but NC State exposed Auburn to the nation but not just to themselves, that maybe they this season they weren't ready quite yet to be that everyone was expecting them after that Duke game. What do you think was the big thing that NC State showed was Auburn's biggest flaw, or what, what did they kind of squeeze out of them to make them squirm a little bit? Uh, not letting them practice in the gym. 
<laughs> we're still back on that, huh? <laughs> I mean, that that was the storyline coming out of the game. I don't know if that's a real storyline per se, but you know, it it definitely seemed to affect the team and we saw as the season went along that they weren't very good in road arenas and you know, getting a couple more shots in that place would have been a good thing and NC State just played Auburn so well. Their defense was great. They were making every shot that they could. And and you're right, it did put Auburn on the spot and it gave many teams tape on how to beat Auburn. And and it seemed like a lot of conference foes really took that to heart. I mean, you go into the first conference game at Ole Miss and you get run out of their arena that is built to resemble the Auburn arena. It's a little bit bigger in spots, but you know, it's, it's a beautiful place. And, and, you know, that's, that's a place that Auburn should have felt a little bit more comfortable in. Um, but teams had the, the right game plan at times and were able to just shut down Auburn. And, and it really started with NC state. And I think UAB also gave the, uh, the Wolfpack that, same kind of tape. Auburn ended up pulling out the 75-71 overtime victory in the BJCC in Birmingham, but they struggled at times. And UAB, again, really shut down Auburn at times and and, and made it a tough game. And that's where I think uh, NC State got their tape, and it just compounded going forward. Yeah, it really did. It just seemed that that was the, the crux of the issues where it started, and then it just... It never fully healed because what happens next is after Auburn finishes up non-conference play, and let's not forget this, you had to go uh, welcome in Ja Morant and Murray State, you know, the phenom there, and he proved to be every bit we thought he was going to be. You get an Izzy game over North Florida, but then you got to go to this pesky little team to start off non-conference play that no matter who the coach is, even if it's a brand new one, no matter what the players are like on that team, Ole Miss just gives fits to Auburn, whether it's at home or away. And you know Auburn has already been exposed on the road at NC State, at neutral sites in UAB. They go to Oxford and take a loss for the first game of the season. I remember you and I were like, everybody pump the brakes. It's okay. You know, it's the start of non-conference play. They've been off for two weeks. But really, if now with hindsight, you and I, I think, will agree we can sit back and say that was a sign of some things to come in, non- in a conference play. Yeah, um, you're you're right, and you and I were both very against. We, we had our own Aaron Rodgers relax moment a couple of times this season, and <laughs> you know, looking back at it, it it wasn't the worst thing to say. But you know, with three more losses to come in the next five games and another rough conference schedule, it it didn't come across or it didn't end up resulting the way that we wanted it to. Um, But yeah, Auburn just struggled at times. Again, really struggled on the road. Um, Seemed like they really wanted to be a team that Auburn traditionally is and lives and dies by the three, but they ended up growing out of that and putting players in roles that allowed this team to just play a different basketball game and learn different ways to win basketball games. And I think that that's, you know, it, it was cliche when coach Chizik said it, that 
you have to learn how to win games. But I think it's a very true. You know, there's a huge yeah. difference from blowing a team out to an overtime game to a sits overtime game. There, you have to learn how to to do that and, and what works best with your team. And we saw that Auburn wasn't very good at closing out big wins and uh, letting teams come back late in the game and have a chance. So I think that this was all just great experience. And yeah, we would all want to see Auburn go undefeated throughout the entire season, but it's not realistic. We'd all want to see Auburn play to more wins during the conference season. Absolutely. And I think that they should have won a couple more and, you know, the, the at LSU game really comes to mind. Auburn did a horrendous job closing that game out and l- basically let LSU steal that one. So, you know, it, it's it's not the best season in the world during the regular season, absolutely. But it's it's once you get through this gauntlet that was the SEC schedule that the real magic started to hit. It did, and you know, I look as we're talking about this right now. We've already addressed the start of the SEC season here, where they lose to Ole Miss, they uh, welcome Georgia to the house, and they get that win. They go to Texas A and M, get a win, and then I, I almost can say this, Clint: you bookmark the SEC schedule from Kentucky to Kentucky, and I think that is where the you kind of look at that point in time for Auburn. And that was probably a low point. Now, they had a stretch there where they go beat Missouri, beat Alabama, beat Florida. These are all at home, though. And we know that Auburn struggles on the road. But if you bookmark it there, you almost pull off the win against number 12 Kentucky at the time at home. But then at the end of that stretch run, it's probably the lowest point for Auburn on the season. And everybody was asking the question at that point where Kentucky's number four, Auburn's not even ranked. I think at this point they lose 80 to 53 in Rupp arena. And I still remember Clint because we were on a uh, trip to us UCF Auburn baseball series. And we had to sit in that hotel room and try to piece together. It's probably the worst podcast you and I have ever done just to be honest. And I think you would agree with me there because there was just, we were pulling, grasping at straws, trying to make some sense of what was going on, trying to rally the troops in there. There wasn't a lot to hold on to after that game. No, not at all. And it was it was a frustrating, disappointing game. Auburn couldn't get anything going and you know, eighty to fifty three, that's that's not good. And that puts Auburn at eighteen and nine on the year, seven and seven in conference and for for this team that was expected to win everything this season to end up at 500 is is incredibly disappointing and dejecting but it truly was the turning point <clears throat> and i i don't think we'll ever know exactly what happened if bruce stepped something up if some of the players stepped up or what but auburn was able to just start rattling off victories and The next game at Georgia was not an easy one. It took a last, you know, almost a last second three-pointer by Chumo Kiki to put Auburn up and a horrendous last possession uh, run by Georgia. Georgia should have, at the very least, tied that game the way that, you know, they had a full shot clock to play with and they barely even got a shot up. And, you know, you just look at it. Georgia at Miss, or Mississippi State at home at Alabama 
ending the regular season against number five Tennessee and just ended up, I mean, it was only a four-point game, but it the last couple of seconds really felt like Auburn was running away with that game. And then you go into conference tournament time, and this is where things started to get a little interesting. You know, you and I both kind of agreed in our, you know, pre-tournament show that Auburn could could really use a one-and-done, a two-and-done kind of schedule and get some rest. You know, we saw what happened last year with, you know, Bryce was injured, this team was exhausted, and, you know, you had some some quit on the court against Clemson, and that's not what anybody wanted to see come this season. And then to go and win four games and beat Tennessee again and truly run away with that for the tournament title was just the icing on the cake of the season and the perfect games to propel this team into the big dance. And I, that run for Auburn was absolutely incredible after that Kentucky loss. You know, you, you've got, I can't even remember how many wins in a row it was. I'm trying to do math right here on top of my head, but nine or something wins in a row that Auburn has to finish out regular season in the SEC tournament. Um, that Tennessee game at home, I think, was the perfect thing for us as Auburn fans to remind that, yes, we had the struggles. We had the really low points this season, but this is still a very good basketball team. And again, it's a game at home, so you you already have a little bit of an advantage. But what an incredible atmosphere. What an incredible way to send out the seniors on senior day by beating the best team, the, the champ, or not the champions, because LSU, I forgot about them. They were actually the regular season champions, but beating who everybody, this was the game that everybody was expecting, that the season was going to end. It was going to be Auburn and Tennessee for the regular season title. And it didn't end up being that way for either squad. But man, what a game it ended up being. And then, as you already mentioned, that run through the SEC tournament, you beat Missouri, you beat South Carolina. You know, you kind of expect to get those two wins, and I think you and I both said we expect two wins out of the SEC tournament. Like you said, hopefully we're done and get some rest. But when we beat Florida by three points, you start thinking, is this possible? Can we get, you know, technically two championships in two seasons, one regular season, one conference play? And you just make Tennessee look silly in the championship game. I mean... I was like a little little giddy school kid just watching threes drain from that. You know, Bryce Brown only had 19 in that game, but everyone was com- – you and I both said – we keep referencing things that we said in the podcast that are coming back to right now. This was a complete team win because nobody was the superstar, but everybody had their moment, and that was going to set up for big things in the NCAA conference tournament. So for the regular season, Clint, SEC conference, would you say it was a success overall? Oh, that's that's hard because of what happened in the tournament. You know, I think everything before you get to Nashville was, you know, it was it was a letdown. This this team and the talent, the returning squad and and what they were able to do last year should not have been in that position. They shouldn't have been middle of the road, you know, fighting for top of the second tier kind of play but to to rattle off all those wins in a row to say to just completely turn your season around after getting destroyed by Kentucky and and not look back to beat one of the best teams in the country twice within 
you know, just over a week and make them look, like you said, just humiliate them in, you know, a, a arena that they're supposed to win. I mean, that's, that is the best way that Auburn could have ended the pre-NCAA tournaments part of this season. And because of that, I think it absolutely was a success. And it's easy to say that when you're looking at a championship for the conference at the end of that, but I think you... It doesn't make it worth it, honestly, to me, if you don't all, if you don't relish the struggle part of it. And you and I have discussed that somewhat during the low parts of this season about reminding, hopefully, all, us ourselves, but also other Auburn fans of what it means to be an Auburn Tiger. Something our story is about the struggle and what it means coming out of it. I I think this season personified what that type of experience is for the Auburn fan, the Auburn athlete. That you're you're just not meant to be. The glorious Duke, the it pains me to say this, but the glorious Alabama in football. But you are meant to be that team that rises over the adversity and shocks the world. And I think it, to me, it almost makes it just a little bit sweeter the way it went down at the end of the season. Relishing the struggles, but man, enjoying the highs as well. And the highs were not over after that. 